Welcome to Metal Injection Squared Circle Pit. Today's special guest, the AEW World Champion, John Moxley. And now, here is your host, Rob Paspani. Welcome to another awesome edition of Squared Circle Pit. It's Rob. Thank you, as always, for listening. We are on social media. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just do a little search for Squared Circle Pit. You'll find us. And uh, we have a great guest today. It's the AEW World Champ, John Moxley. And uh, if this is your first time checking out Squared Circle Pit, we are all about the intersection of hard rock and heavy metal and pro wrestling. And uh, check out some archives. We have a ton of awesome wrestlers, including AEW wrestlers like Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, uh, Darby Allin. Uh, we've had Jimmy Havoc. Uh, and, and plenty of other cool wrestlers and a ton of musicians. Slipknot's Corey Taylor, Tools Maynard, talking about wrestling. We got dudes from Killswitch Engage. I uh, got Mike D from Killswitch to talk about his love of RVD. Plenty of great stuff in the archives. Metalinjection.net slash squared circle pit. And today's special guest is John Moxley. He's the AEW World Champion. And we have a lot of interesting conversations. He talks about how he drove to Jacksonville with his wife and they're kind of camping out in Jacksonville for the month to avoid doing the back and forth travel. He talks about his double or nothing main event with Brody Lee and how much he's looking forward to it. We talk about his crazy travel schedule before things got hectic, uh, going back and forth uh, from Japan to America and tells an interesting story about that. And of course we kick things off talking about music, some of his favorite bands, what he listens to, how he annoys Renee in the car with the radio. Uh, it was a great conversation. It's about half an hour. Take a listen. And on the other side, I'll, I'll have a little, bit of my opinion on what's going on in the world of pro wrestling right now. So here's John Moxley. Now entering the squared circle pit, we have the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. He's going to be facing Mr. Brody Lee at Double or Nothing later this month. John Moxley, thank you so much for entering the squared circle pit. How is life in, I assume, Las Vegas? I'm actually in uh, Jacksonville right now. Oh, okay. I just came out here and brought uh, my whole situation out here for the month for all these tapings and the pay-per-view and everything. Instead of traveling back and forth. So uh, I had to set up like a John claude Van Damme kickboxer type of gym in my little backyard outside here because obviously training and everything, gyms and training partners and all that's kind of a weird place right now. So I've constructed a strange jungle Jacksonville gym outside. That's how I'm training for the pay-per-view. That's cool. Kind of like a Rocky style Jean-Claude, like you were saying, Jean-Claude Van Damme style training. There needs to be some cool montages in the next few weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'll be kicking trees and stuff. Uh, well, on that topic, I wanted to ask, like, was there any sort of, like, paranoia or, like, obviously you want to go and perform, you want to do your job, but it, it initially required a bit of travel. Did you have to psych yourself up to get on an airplane? And, like, what's the scene like at an airport nowadays? Uh, I didn't go to the airport for the, for this. Oh, you drove? I brought my dogs out and everything. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, cause my dog's like, got a big, giant, fat bulldog. You can't put him on a plane. He's running around the plane like a madman, so. I see. And you're used to the long drive, so it wasn't even, it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Now, I imagine, you know, a lot of, lot of quiet time. You got to play some music or, or something. What were you doing on your road trip? What were you listening to? What, what's your typical car music or do you listen to podcasts? What? How do you kill the time in the car? Well, from driving with my wife, we would usually try to, uh, like we've had quite a few long trips. One time we, we drove from Vegas to Birmingham and one 
uh, shot before. So we'll do a lot of like podcasts, or, like murder podcasts and stuff like that. Or uh, sometimes we'll fight over the radio because she might not like some of the stuff I want to listen to, especially if I'm getting tired and I want to like, I want to pump myself up, you know, so I'll put on like, like the metal channel on Sirius XM and she's like, okay, she can't really uh, stand uh, too much of that. Like, you know, Slayer and stuff like that. But I'm like, yo, we're 300 miles in. I need some Pantera or something. You know what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. But if I'm by myself, <laughs> yeah. if, I'm by my, yeah, if I'm by myself, I'm always jamming out to, you know, what is it? Lithium, turbo. Liquid metal is the, the metal. 40. Yeah. Liquid metal. Yeah. I usually keep right on there. That's cool. Yeah. I wanted to know, like, uh, we briefly talked at like a red carpet for one of those uh, WWE video games a few years ago. And uh, you told me that you grew up on like grunge, like Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, Allison Chains, Nirvana, stuff like that, Metallica. And I wanted to know, like, did somebody like expose you to hard rock and heavy metal, or or was it something you gravitated to naturally? How did you how did you find it? Um, that's kind of hard. I think the first CD I ever had was probably like a Metallica CD, mostly just from like the radio, mm-hmm. like uh, WEBN in Cincinnati. One two point seven where I'm from was like go to station and need to hear like Nirvana, Metallica, Bush, Soundgarden, stuff like that. So I grew up on all that stuff, but I still love all those the the classics. You know, never get old. I just discovered some band called uh, Green River. Allegedly, they're like precursor to Nirvana. Not quite punk rock, but like not quite full grunge seattle it's like kind of in the middle it's pretty, uh pretty cool just like loud aggressive music i was really into it just reading the stories it's kind of like this lost banded history so i thought that was interesting yeah green green river are really fun good like uh noisy noisy stuff uh and and you mentioned that uh i mean at the time you mentioned that deftones was your favorite band is that still true or are they still ranked high in your yeah i'd say that for, i've always been uh always been a big Deftones fan. I feel like they're, I was just kind of, if I had to pick one, I just would say like the Deftones probably. <laughs> Is there an album? I guess or... their album like uh, Around, Around the Bird. Yeah. The album I like stumbled across. They used to have those, I have porn back then, so like, but they used to have this thing called, uh, remember those like places where you get CDs where like, you go in and like sell your CDs so you'd be like use CDs right, yeah. or tapes and stuff. So they'd be like, you get a CD for like four bucks. I remember getting that def. I'd never even, I think I just uh, got it because there was like a chick on the cover. I didn't even know what it was. And immediately it was like, first riff, the first song, My Own Summer. It was like, what the hell? This is intense as hell. And listen to that whole album like a million times over. Just like fell in love with that band. That's awesome. Do you are are you someone who enjoys going to, to concerts and, and, and seeing bands live and, and getting that experience? Yes and no. I've been to some good ones lately. Uh, not real lately, but uh, we saw Weezer live. Me and my wife and a couple of my friends. I usually I get a pretty good t- ticket hookup in Vegas, so you can get a lot of lot of shows for uh, for free usually. So uh, we saw like Weezer and the Pixies. Oh wow! No, that, that was really good. Uh, a uh, really good show. Uh, we saw Misfits at MGM Grand when they did like their return tour, which my wife uh, could only stand uh, a little bit of. I quite enjoyed it. It was very, very, very loud. Very loud. <laughs> and uh, she's like, ah. But I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. The bassist from the midst is like seven foot tall in real life. It's hilarious. Comes out and he looks like a monster. Yeah. Great shape too. 
Jeez, it's like Jack, dude. He's could be in wrestling. Uh, he did. He did do a, a brief bit of wrestling. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They did the, 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 the yeah, yeah, yeah. Being around all those people, you know, like 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 a festival or something like yeah. that. That's like my nightmare. Like being around that many people and like it's not really my I thing. See. But if it's like I got a good hookup in Vegas where we got some nice seats and then kind of get in and out and see a good show how they do it yeah you're more into like one or two bands from what i gather as opposed to like a whole day where you got to be walking around and like you know you're you're a recognizable guy and you just want to hang out and chill and not be kind of punished <laughs> so i can understand that yeah 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 i give it to those people who hang out at the festivals like out in the heat all day surrounded by like a million people being in a giant sea of people is like that's like my nightmare not interested but i love i love watching concerts just like even on my phone you know i like put on some random show or just look up whatever so so live and find a cool like live set and just play say i'm on a treadmill or something or just like even if we're just sitting around hanging out like hanging out or whatever put something on on the tv just like off of youtube or whatever and just i always find that's a cool like background you know live music yeah to have, you know it's good atmosphere when you check out these shows like for example the misfits i feel like there is a kind of connection to the, you know, sort of sports entertainment kind of thing where you could kind of grab something. Like, do you ever leave a concert kind of inspired with like, oh, you know, like we could use that, you know, we could do that on our show. Or something. All the time. My receptors are always open to like anything I can steal from any type of entertainment, mm-hmm. really. Like I, I, I'll steal lines for promos like over the years from song lyrics anything in a movie or a line or a sport or like anything I can steal from any type of genre of entertainment that I could somehow incorporate into wrestling. I'm always have my receptors out, uh, listening for, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely pumps you up when you go to a, a big concert like that and the crowd's all loud and stuff, you know, that's cool because like, you're like, Oh, Hey, I get to do this for a living too. Like, cause especially AEW shows, you know, are like the party atmosphere. They're like, almost like rock shows themselves all the shows on like that jericho cruise where it was basically a giant rock festival with wrestling you know uh, yeah it's a pretty cool way to make a living yeah would you say like like a like you know a wwe show would be like a pop show more you know polished pop show whereas AEW is trying to go for that grittier rock vibe yeah i think AEW is a much more of a, of a party atmosphere you know everybody's there to have a good time and uh some of the just greatest fans in the world and there's definitely a definitely a party atmosphere and uh you mentioned that like i feel like AEW does have a lot of diehard fans in its short existence you know you guys have been officially around for a bit over a year and i feel like it's so weird as somebody who grew up during the monday night war with you know like uh, all these promote like territories and, and all this stuff it's weird now where there's kind of there's this huge divide i feel where you're either a wwe guy or or like an AEW guy and, and like i'm not saying this is everyone like i personally i just i'm a wrestling fan and i just enjoy wrestling so is it kind of weird to see like how standoffish some fans are or or, or is it kind of fun i don't really see that at all i'm sure there's plenty of people out there that uh from the get-go, uh, just for whatever reason, didn't want AEW to succeed, and yeah, I don't understand that mentality because it's been nothing but good for the business and nothing but good for the wrestlers, nothing but good for the fans. I don't know why you'd want to pick a side necessarily. I mean, you can like one better than the other, but like when I was a kid, like when wrestling was its hottest in like late '90s, I watched everything. Yeah, same. We we flipped back and forth. 
You know, we, you know, I don't, I don't remember there being like sides back then because I was just a kid. I don't know. I like wrestling. I watched ECW. I might have been a little like, I was probably like when I was a, a kid. I probably had a little bit of that like ECW is better than both of these <laughs> stupid crap, man. Yeah, ECW because you get like you suck you into the uh, to the cult kind of thing. So I, I probably went through a period where I was like, oh, ECW is shit, man. Right. But uh, you fell for the the Paul Heyman marketing. <laughs> yeah, but I watched everything. I was into Nitro, I was into Raw, and oh, I, I, so it's just great. The fans can just flip back and forth. They have four shows now that they can watch. They can watch SmackDown, Raw, NXT. AEW and there's like all this I mean before kind of uh, the world changed recently business was like as fertile as it had been in god knows how long you can watch four shows I just mentioned but you can also there's so much indie stuff to watch that's so accessible you don't have to like get a order form and mail right no tape trading do dupes yeah (laughs) yeah like like Greg I like the ECW uh merchandise catalog it took like two months to get the catalog <laughs> i had to like yeah. pick which tape i'm so excited when catalog came then i like pick which tape order to buy it and then you go like send off a money order and then it could be like another two months and they finally get your tape but now you can go on like the like independent wrestling tv and high spots and all that stuff and you can like literally watch anything old stuff like early indie stuff current stuff stuff that happened last week and then it's just like all your fingertips, like with the technology and stuff. Now there's GCW out there, MLW, there's uh, New Japan, Big Japan. There's just so much that's also accessible. But back in the day, you know, you just had to wait for had to wait for Monday night or wait for Saturday morning or whatever. Now it's like it's so accessible. Like what a great time to be a wrestling fan. You know, I don't see whether it be any negativity. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the wrestling fan world, you know? I love that answer. That's so great. And it's so true. You just reminded me, like, at the time, I kept hearing about Hayabusa because I was such a big Sabu fan. And I just, there was no way for me to actually see him. <laughs> I had to wait a year, like, with tape trading and everything until I got a tape of him. And e- even before I got the tape, by that point, he already come to America and did that uh, ECW pay-per-view, which was, like, uh, that heat wave, I think it was called, which is my favorite pay-per-view of the time, just because it was like, oh, my God, finally, I've been hearing so much about this crazy wrestle whereas like now you know i wake up and i could watch the new japan show that happened in the morning right away it's 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 mind-blowing yeah you can watch it on your phone while you're driving in the car (laughs) yeah i I was watching g1 matches doing cardio yeah yeah heat wave 98 from the hair arena dayton i wanted to go to that so bad because that's only like an hour from cincinnati but I just had no way and nobody to drive me up there, no money to get in, probably if I was even there. I wanted to go so bad and I couldn't go. But that card top to bottom is like, those pay-per-views are pretty cheap. I think we like pulled our money and got the pay-per-view. And I remember watching it from home. It's like, oh, I wish I could be there. Good. And I bet I bet you go back and watch that whole thing top to bottom and it like holds up. Absolutely. Bam Bam Taz too. Crazy. I think some kind of crazy main event. New Jack came out. I remember yeah, that was a top to bottom crazy card. It's crazy. It's funny how stuff I how stuff I remember so clearly from when I was a kid, and now I'm like I can't remember what happened last week. Yeah, I remember like being able to name the entire like world champion, intercontinental champion lineage, you know. And now like I could probably still do it up until like '98, and then I I just don't remember, you know. But like before that, you could. Yeah, I'm like the exact same way. I can like because I used to like. Uh, I used to try to like cobble together the history of wrestling through like magazines or like they have that 
PWI Almanac at the newsstand. Yeah. It had like all the title histories, the promotions that I'd never even seen or heard of. So like, I remember like writing things down. I don't know why this, you do this as a kid, I don't know, but you're like, so I'm like writing down title histories and like trying to figure it out and then trying to like go find the tapes of them, like video stores or flea markets or whatever. I, I just, I scoured the globe for tapes. Uh, like anywhere I get them. And I try to like find the title changes and like try to piece it all together and like you know it's good magical days. Now it's now it's all on your phone, which is even even better. Yeah, it was really fun having to seek it out. But, like I can remember like every title change up to like '98 maybe, and then it all just gets then title changes became more frequent and there's more titles and then I can't remember nothing. But I yeah. remember everything clearly like in the '90s. Absolutely, same way. Do you remember like? You, do you have a first wrestling memory, like how you got into pro wrestling? Not, not really. I mean, it's just as long as I can remember. It's been the thing that I liked. Like, uh, like the kids who lived in an apartment below me were wrestling, were into wrestling. But I was like as young as I can remember. And I remember, and they had a bunch of like uh, action figures, like WWF action figures, and they had like some wrestling tapes. And I think it's probably like my first like exposure. And then we start playing wrestling and. So then I start watching like Saturday morning, like Bret Hart on Saturday morning, and then playing wrestling in the streets or like the yard or outside the apartment or whatever. And like, this is how stupid we were. We were like idiot kids who like played tackle football on concrete. So like, kids like, you always see like the videos of like people doing like when they did backyard wrestling, like the Hardy Boys old backyard wrestling videos, and they were smart. They under they like got characters, they like cut promos, they did stunts, they set up their spots, they did backyard wrestling. This is how stupid we were. We just went, okay, we're playing wrestling. Bret Hart, or I'm Bret Hart, you're Razor Ramon. Okay. And then we would like come out from like behind a bush or a dumpster and then just beat the shit out of each other. We just literally try we just we just, we basically just fought. We're like, okay, playing wrestling, and like we were just, just fight club. attempt to <laughs> pin or submit the other. Yeah, I almost killed a kid with a Boston crab. Oh my God, which I learned from Earthquake because <laughs> he did it to Hogan. I sat on this kid, I had his kid on his belly, I sat on him, I grabbed his legs, I was like, yeah. I convinced somebody to give them a surfboard, and that kid never talked to me ever again because it was so painful. <laughs> I remember when I was eleven. Who who were your guys? Who were your favorite wrestlers as a kid? I was another kid, Brett, you know, because he was like kind of the guy. And I just still, still love to go back and watch his matches. I love that he was a technician. Like, I loved the technical wrestling, using holds and, you know, counters and stuff. I was really, I was like always attracted to that. I was attracted to like the Iron Man match, like the endurance, like going a full hour and like all that, that part of it. I was really always, uh, I was really attracted to that part of it. Just his matches are always such great finishes and such good stories. And just, I wish if there's one guy you could bring back that I like, me and him, him and his prime, and me and him prime. I think the way he puts matches together and kind of I hear him talk about it. I think like me and him would be like so perfect together. You know, we could transport back to like the mid '90s. But uh, unfortunately, that will never happen. Uh, but then once I kind of like once I started getting the ECW. I was like, I don't know, 13, 14 Yeah, like around the time of like they're building up Barely Legal was when I first started getting into it. 
and I was hooked on that because I was like right at the right time where you're getting all rebellious and stuff and it was like it just I was so into it and was like yeah it's funny because like like my friend was telling me about it he, we had to watch it on this weird tv like I don't know like a fire escape balcony thing so he had like any reception and he's like yeah my dad was watching this other wrestling he's like but it's real like it's real he's like yeah like this is fake but the ECW is real. I'm like, what, really? So like, that was like the hook. Like, what is it? This is real, you know? It's obviously obviously not. But uh, it was a much. I, I, I might have thought that it was because it was such a grittier presentation. Yeah, it was. Re- it was realer. <laughs> it was more yeah, real. I mean, this dude jumped like I remember the dude before I saw it. The dude being like, this dude jumped off the roof. Like he jumped off the ceiling. Then he was talking about like Saturn dropping elbow. Like right. I was into all that crazy stunts, and like so, the Sandman was my guy for reasons I can't explain now. Other than he was just awesome, terrible wrestler in retrospect. But like, dude, he's so. I mean that cool. entrance. It's all that entrance. He was all in beer over his head. Yeah, dude. I was like, yeah. I wanted. I dressed as the Sandman for Halloween one year. I had a half a pool stick. I had like some <laughs> kind of army pants and like a t-shirt, and then my. Uh, friend's dad drank the same kind of beer. I had like empty beer can that I would like fill with Mountain Dew and smash over my head. And I had a black eye at the time, which actually fit perfectly because it just went with the costume. So it was like, it was a whole thing. Yeah. That sounds like a, a great costume. It sounds like you were the 13 year old spirit of Sandman or the 15 year old or however you were at the time. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny thing about that now because like I like the blend of the purest of wrestling. Was like the most garbage of wrestling. Nice technique and holes and stuff, but like, yeah, you kind of have this. Maybe I don't want to say stigma because it sounds like a negative, but you have this kind of label as a as a hardcore, like a brawler, let's say. But then, like two weeks ago, you had that awesome just wrestling match with Frankie Kazarian. You know, like I like that you you can adapt to the person's style who you're fighting with. Like you had that awesome match with Lance Archer at the New Japan shows, and it was like unlike any other New Japan match ever. And like you're kind, of, I, I like that you kind of adjust to the surroundings and the opponent and work together to, to just create essentially a piece of art. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, I love that because I was like, Texas Deathmatch, you know, which was kind of just an idea. This card, just instead of no disqualification, let's just give it a fun name. And maybe we experimented with the, uh, we didn't even know what the rules was going to be. We're like, I guess it could be whatever we want. So we're like looking up what an original Texas Deathmatch was and has everybody done Japan. They're not really into the, uh, uh, they don't often do the uh, 10 count thing, like a last man standing match, which is we do all the time in the U.S. So I was like, mm, I wonder if they're going to get it. Like, I was hoping that like the fans would understand like the, eating the 10 counts to your feet, but they instantly got it. And it made it like super dramatic. And actually like the way their announcers are, the way they do like the counting, because they'd be like 18, 17, 15, like they're like. I, I was going backwards there, but they'll like make it more dramatic. So they'd be like, hey, man. So, like, I got a, a couple sick false finishes in that. But even like, like, yeah. say, like, blending, blending the two, like, you know, hitting a dude away with a garbage can. But also, one of my favorite parts of that match was like, I just hit a nice little slick arm bar in there. And, it, and in Japan, you can do that and it gets like a, oh, and like a nice applause. And I'm like, I like to do that from time to time, you know? 
blend the two. When you first went, when you had that first match, were you kind of taken aback at how different a Japanese crowd reacts to a wrestling match? Or, or were you like ready for it because you were studying? Uh, not taken aback. Well, I'd been over there quite a few times already with, uh, with WWE. So I worked in Sumo Hall in the main events like six or seven times already by that point. I see. And uh, Sumo Hall. So, so, so like a WWE crowd in Japan at a WWE show will be a little different. Because they kind of want to act like an American audience, they want to like do the chants right. and stuff. Like every time we go over there, that'll be like that was like WrestleMania week for me when we'd have the Japan trip every year. Because I I just love wrestling in front of those fans so much. And they're like, you can like like the harder you work, they appreciate it and they appreciate like good wrestling and you can take your time and patient and put together a good wrestling match and kind of is different. So like I got a taste of wrestling in Japan working for WWE, and I remember thinking like years and years ago like. Uh, and I, I could kind of tell, like, just the way I am, I could feel kind of a connection with the audience there. And I kind of always knew in the back of my mind, like, yeah, I think I can come back here. I kind of want to come back here. I always had in the back of my head subconsciously that I was going to, like, return to Japan without WWE. And that subsequently did. So, yeah, so I kind of knew what it was going to be like going in. But, uh, yeah, I really just uh, fit over there a lot. Pleasantly surprised with how well I fit in over there. Yeah, and uh, w- were you going to be, like, if this didn't happen, were there plans for you to keep going there and, like, coming back for, like, special shows? Uh, yeah, there was, there was, I had a contract with them that ran up to Tokyo Dome, and it was, at the time, I didn't really, I was like, all right, well, let's see how this goes. But then I'm like, oh, I'm always going to keep coming back here. Like, w- w- as time permits and as circumstances permit and stuff. So, like, there was at least one on the schedule, but. Obviously, the world ended, so I have no timetable for when I'll be able to actually yeah. go back there or when it'll be legal or safe to do so or whatever. So who knows? But eventually, I will be back. I wanted to ask, you know, like I remember there was one weekend where you like you did a show, you flew back, you did a dynamite and then you flew and did another show if i'm remembering this correctly like one thing i always wonder with with uh, american wrestlers that go to japan is how do you deal with the time change because it's like a 13 hour shift especially having to do it twice in one week do you have a strategy like how do do you work it or you just deal with it the run in between like kind of the tokyo dome and the revolution pay-per-view was pretty rough There there was a few weeks there where it was like i think i went from can't even remember where we were at. We had like shows in like Memphis, Arkansas, <laughs> like deep in the country, Austin, Texas. So like random places in the U.S. So I had to go from like something along the lines of like I went from Memphis to like Sapporo. So it's not like going from like L.A. to Tokyo, which is one flight. Right. It's like you got to go from like Memphis to Atlanta or whatever, or to Dallas or whatever. I don't know. You know, like connect from like Memphis to connect in the U.S. to go to Tokyo and then connect again to like Sapporo. So I think it was like Sapporo, then back to like Arkansas and then back again to like Osaka and then back again to like Austin, Texas or something where it was just like really insane. I think I had the match with, I had the match with Suzuki. I'd gone back and forth and back and I was feeling pretty good. And it was like maybe an hour before the show, like all the jet lag of the last two months like hit me all at once. Oh, no. Like I just was like, like I wasn't. T- it's a weird. Like jet lag's hard to explain. Like it's just like you. I was like, 
I'm awake, but I don't feel awake. Like, I'm not, like, tired. I'm not yawning. But, like, my brain is just, like, foggy. It's strange. When I walked out for the first five minutes or so of that match, I was, like, asleep. Like, I was, I was like, so just blagged. Then, then I got slapped in the face and woke right up. And then, then break, you get hit in the face, you break a sweat, you get some adrenaline flowing. Now we're good to go. But it, you know, it takes a minute to kick you out of the jet lag sometimes. Well, as someone who really enjoyed that match, I can tell you, you showed no signs of jet lag out in the arena because that that's like a feud I wanted to extend. Like I want you guys to have like a best of seven series because it was such a fun match and how well your characters meshed. Yeah, I think that was like a. I think from the minute I got there, that was like a dream match for people. I think almost solely based on our personalities, something about it just because uh, I can't really put it into words, but something about us just like we're like peanut butter and jelly, dude. Yeah, it was great. And you have a pretty cool match coming up at Double or Nothing as we wind down here. Uh, you're facing Mr. Brody Lee. And, you know, I feel like with the last pay-per-view main event, you were facing Jericho and he was kind of the bigger star of the match. Uh, whereas here, I feel like you're you're almost the anchor, and Brody Lee is like the the new new star AEW's trying to establish. Do you feel like a pressure to deliver? Like you guys, there's been some like, oh, is this a, a main event worthy match? You know, like kind of stuff like that. But like, are you ready to deliver 100 percent and and like taking the challenge on full head, full on? Oh, 100 percent. Cool thing is, is it's like it's kind of a cool story and obviously all the storylines, all the plans, everything got screwed up. We would add at night two months build mm-hmm. to double or nothing, but uh, everything got wacky. So it's like, you got to throw somebody in a short notice kind of thing. And he's like top of the food chain level guy. Like he's been like in the top mix in WWE and Dragon Gate and Ring of Honor, like performing at a super high level for a long time. And everybody knows he's like a badass in the ring. He can fly, he can brawl, he can wrestle, he can, literally do it all he's violent it's kind of a cool story from like his perspective is like a dude who everybody knows has been in the background of other like groups and stuff over the years and but everyone knows how much he deserves and uh what he's capable of and the world goes into chaos and somebody has to step up and he didn't have to be here nobody at AEW has to be here right now i know he had the opportunity to either stay at home and wait until crowds come back because he's never got to wrestle in front of people for AEW. So he could stay home and wait until his empty arena stuff's over and then debut properly, or he could jump at the opportunity now. And he did. So from one point of view, he's almost kind of the uh, sentimental favorite kind of thing. Like, what a great story. This guy could come in here and shock the world on three weeks' notice. Problem is, you got to beat me. And that's a whole can of worms. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I feel like, you know, so far, I don't think you've had a bad match yet in AEW. And it's been exciting. And, and it's just fun to have something to look forward to as well, I feel. Uh, you know, it's a good distraction. You guys, I feel like of the shows, AEW feels like the most lively. You know, you have a few people around around the, the perimeter of the ring. And it, it, it feels the closest to how it was before, you know, the world just went, <laughs> went down. Yeah, I think it definitely had. Uh... That having the 10 people in the audience or whatever just, just makes it a thousand times better. Yeah. I think the main story to come out of the these shows is how vital the crowd is to a wrestler, like how it completely changes it when you take out the crowd and how absolutely necessary they are, which I feel like everyone always kind of knew, but this just cemented, you know? Yeah. It's, like, it's almost like, you know, I mean, wrestling started from trying to, the carnivals, people trying to, 
con the audience out of money. All right, so if there's no audience, what are we doing? We're just two dudes in here beating each other up, you know? So it's different now. Now we're working for the cameras, and I, I don't know. It's a whole lot of questions. And, uh, but hopefully we get back to normal sooner rather than later. Well, one last question uh, before I let you go, and thank you so much for being so generous with your time. This week, uh, Becky Lynch uh, announced that her and Seth Rollins are expecting a baby, and Roman Reigns just had twins. When, like... Are you getting any pressure now? <laughs> like, are people like looking at you like, "Hey, only Shield member uh, without children," or or are you and Renee? Have you guys like, do you have a plan? And, and you're not going to be pressured into into any sort of <laughs> sort of expanding of the family. Oh, I don't feel no pressure, baby. My life is my life. Lives are our lives. But uh, happy for them. Happy for them. Very cool. Cool. Well, I, I really appreciate it. I really look forward to watching AW every week on TNT, AW Dynamite on Wednesdays. And I look forward to seeing you and Mr. Brody Lee on May 23rd at Double or Nothing. Thank you so much for your time, John. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of the day. I'm telling you, man, rock and roll. Thank you again to John for taking the time to talk to me. I'm very excited to see what AEW has in store for us for Double or Nothing. I've been enjoying the show. As I said, it's it's been the most lively of the shows since the quarantine happened. And this week's episode was a pretty fun episode. But last week in general, the first live episode back they've done since they did those tapings was as close to, you know, an, an old episode as you're going to get. That street fight that went all over the place was really, really fun. I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm really digging AEW. And I'm... Very, very curious about this uh, stadium match. I don't think they're calling it an empty stadium match. I forgot the name that they're giving it, but it's going to be the Inner Circle versus the Elite with Matt Hardy instead of Cody in the Elite. And the Young Bucks are going to be back. Hangman Adam Page is going to be back. So it'll be very, very interesting to see what they do in an empty stadium and how they how they make that work. I'm uh, very, very curious about that. And uh, in general, wrestling has been, I I feel like I'm I'm slowly getting more into it. Money in the Bank for WWE was last week. And I thought uh, there were some decent matches. Uh, A big positive was the show was only two and a half hours, which I love that. I love that it was the length of an NXT takeover. There's no real need to do long shows right now, especially with no audience. And there were some decent matches. I really like the Seth Rollins match against Drew McIntyre. I think they're doing a great job. With Drew McIntyre, it's the first baby face in a while that they've really done it right with. And I feel like the crowd is behind Drew, so they like him. So it's it's working. <laughs> and Vince McMahon actually likes Drew McIntyre because he doesn't look like a an idiot <laughs> amongst the heels. He's actually getting one over on the heels. So uh, I like that. I thought the uh, Money in the Bank match idea was a good idea. It was very unique. It definitely had me intrigued. But there were some things about the execution where it was just like, I felt like it could have maybe been edited down a bit more. There were just some random bits with the, the cameos just for the sake of it, I felt. And I thought there'd be more actual wrestling, like in, in the wrestling ring once it got up to the cage. But this this wasn't, re- it was a movie. It wasn't really a, a, a traditional Money in the Bank ladder match. With that said, I was very happy that Asuka won. I was surprised that Otis won. But, you know, Otis has been really fun to watch, so it'll be interesting to see how that storyline progresses on SmackDown. The one downside is I really, really like the team of Otis and Tucker, and Tucker seems like the better wrestler of the two of them. Otis is obviously Mr. Personality. So I always feel like Tucker is getting unnecessarily punished because Otis has all that charisma. Um, I don't know why I said it that way, but we'll see what happens there. 
unfortunately still no new japan though which i'm really really missing it's been you know three or four months and they're just they said they weren't gonna start up until it was safe until the government thinks it's all right to do even empty arena shows and, and until they get access to proper testing but I really look forward to New Japan being back. And I look forward to hearing from you. To hear what you thought of the episode, please love your feedback. Go to our Facebook page or our Twitter page, Squirt Circle Pit. No E in circle for the Twitter page. Or uh, hit up my personal socials, Rob Injection. And let me know what you thought of the episode. If you have any suggestions for guests or requests for guests, I'd love to hear those. And uh, otherwise, I'll be back in a few weeks with a, another cool interview I've lined up. And thank you, as always, for listening to Squirt Circle Pit.